Welcome to IAQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. from and welcome to IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio for Friday, February 22nd, 2013. This week, episode 275 comes to you from Studio D in Central City, PA. My name is Radio Joe Hughes, and in the studio with me is Roxy V, Val Bender. Hi, everyone. Right, joining us from the McKee's Rock Studio C is the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Hey, Joe. Hi, Val. Hi, everybody. Good day, Cliff. Uh, we'll have our uh, technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wild, joining us later. Today's segments include an interview with Mr. Sam Rashkin. We're hoping he'll be on the line here any minute. Sam is the chief architect of the Building Technologies Program at the Department of Energy. And uh, we're looking forward to talking to him about uh, a couple of programs they have going now. The Build America program being, that's been around for about uh, about five or six years now. And then uh, they've got another one, the Builder's Challenge, we'd like to talk about and, and try and tie that into indoor air quality issues. Before we get started, let's uh, thank our marquee sponsors. Can you get that? Indoor Environment Connections the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean c-l-e-a-n-f-a-x dot com and c-m-m-online dot com please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ radio when you inquire about their services and products all right before we start um, you can always listen to the show live go to show button on the iaq radio.com website takes you to the live show you can also download shows from that same site you can stream shows from our homepage, and of course you can download shows from itunes we also have continuing education credits available for those of you that need them from the American Council for Accredited Certification, the American Board of Industrial Hygiene, and the Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification. Just email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. It looks like we've got, um, we're a little late in getting our guest in, so Cliff, why don't we go ahead and go to the um, radio, the, the trivia question. We can do that, Joe. Let's do it. When the 
cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. Email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, you can text in your answer. Congratulations. To John Lapotier, MicroShield Environmental Services, Winter Springs, Florida, who in a photo finish inched out uh, the, the first correct answer for last week's trivia question, identifying the quote, trust but verify as the English translation of the Russian proverb quoted by Ronald Reagan to Mikhail Gorbachev. The IEQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, February 22nd, 2013, has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Uh, check out their website at www.trsca.org. Now for today's trivia question. What U.S. president signed into law the act which created the U.S. Department of Energy? Back to you, Joe. Thank you, Cliff. All right, today's guest, uh, we're hoping he'll be on the line any moment, is Sam Rashkin. He's the chief architect of the Department of Energy's Building Technologies Office. His primary role is leading the deployment of successful research for new and existing high-performance homes. This includes developing and helping lead the Department of Energy's world-class research program through the Building America, which is developing a new resource tool that will make the latest innovations and best practices fully accessible to residential new construction and retrofit stakeholders. He's also overseeing a complete revamping of the DOE's Challenge Home Voluntary Labeling Program for leading-edge home builders. In his prior position, Sam was the manager of the Energy Star Program for Homes at EPA and started there in 1996. Under his uh, leadership, that program grew exponentially to more than 8,500 building partners, over 1 million labeled homes, and currently has over 25% market penetration nationwide, which is just unbelievable that uh, a small budget program started out with $3 million, as I recall from our first show with Sam about three years ago, is now 25% of new home construction. He most recently was recognized for his contributions to sustainable housing with the 2012 Hanley Award. He received his Bachelor of Architecture from Syracuse University, a Master's of Urban Planning Studies at New York University, and is a registered architect in California and New York. During his 20-plus years as a licensed architect, he specialized in energy efficient design, and he's completed over 100 residential projects. He also served on the National Steering Committee for the U.S. Green Building Council's Lead for Homes program. That's the Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design program. He was also on the National Association of Home Builders, Green Builders Guidelines, and EPA's Water Sense label. Also on the development of a program we hope to talk about today, the EPA's Indoor Air Plus label, which as I understand it is now an integral part of the Builders Challenge. He currently serves as an ex-official member of the Net Zero Energy Home Coalition 
and on the National Advisory Board for Sustainability with KB Homes. And Sam has launched a new book as well. It's called Retooling the U.S. Housing Industry, How It Got Here, Why It's Broken, and How to Fix It. It represents a comprehensive strategy or presents a comprehensive strategy for reinventing the housing industry in a time of crisis. He's also prepared hundreds of articles and technical papers, reports and seminars, and contributed to other books on energy efficient and green construction. I've got some music here, but I don't see Sam on the line yet. Let's uh, let's uh, bring the Z-Man back on for just a minute. Cliff, I'm really looking forward to this interview. I'm hoping we, we get to, I, I did call and leave a quick message. I know Sam had a meeting both before and after our show today, so he may just be running a couple minutes late. We're hoping he'll call in any minute. Right. I reviewed the the website, um, both the Building America website and the uh, Builders Challenge website, and there's a great link on that Building America website to the um, what they call the Building Science Resource Center, I believe is the name of it. And there's a, a lot of really, I mean, what they're trying to do is gather all of the latest building science information that's available and, and put it all in one place for people to get. Uh, I think it's a great idea, and I'm looking forward to talking to Sam about it. I just wanted, I wondered if you had anything to add, Cliff. I think the one thing that I have to add, Joe, is you know, I've been following some of the chat on you know indoor um, air quality sites, and there's this interesting uh, you know discussion about like you know what's more important, uh, you know, green buildings or clean air uh, inside of the buildings, and the fact that you know many of these. Uh, green buildings recirculate the same air, and they're not bringing in fresh air. And you know, I just think find that whole controversy, you know, pretty fascinating. And the fact that it seems that um, the ventilation people aren't necessarily communicating well with the building design people, and uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, there's some serious issues there. Well, I think. That's something I know Sam is is really uh, trying hard to uh, take into consideration. They also are relying pretty heavily on a program from EPA that has been out for a couple years now. It's called the Indoor Air Plus. It's a in addition to the Energy Star for Homes program. It's not a required part of the Energy Star for Homes as I understand it right yet, uh, but it's an additional package that builders can offer on Indoor Air Quality Plus. Now, as I understand it from talking to Sam yesterday, they're going to require that in the Builders Challenge homes now. And and so they're taking the Indoor Air Quality component into much more into consideration, and uh, they're trying to make sure that that component is integral to the overall program. So I, uh, I agree. I've seen a lot of it. Now, I guess one of the questions I've seen raised recently as, as, as early as this morning is, you know, Indoor Air Plus has some good, recommendations as far as how to build the home but then there doesn't appear to be a lot of follow-up on measuring and and monitoring the indoor air quality component of the indoor environment i think another thing joe is is really murphy's law you know we we're going to build these these homes that are going to be more energy efficient they're going to be used more uh, sustainable materials and you know what's in case murphy's law happens you know, what's going to happen when they get flooded? You know, what's going to happen, you know, when they catch on fire? You know, a lot of times, 
uh, you know, we have great intentions, and sometimes, um, you know, the opposite uh, of those great intentions is the result of good intentions. So, you know, it's going to be pretty interesting, and I don't know that we have enough new green housing stock out there, you know, that's been adversely affected by uh, hurricane and uh, flooding and other types of insured perils that we're going to be able to know. That's a great point, and I get anecdotal feedback on the restoration after disasters of some of these homes that have, for instance, some of the um, new foam products, the you know the spray applied foam products, the open cell and closed cell. I'm just wondering, you know, you've got a lot longer history of disaster restoration work than I do. Have you ever run into that situation, or are you familiar with people that have that? Um, have run into problems because of trying to restore a home that has that type of product in it? You know, I remember, you know, many, many years ago, I was on a, on a panel at a industry trade event. This, this probably goes back, I don't know, nine or 10 years ago. And, um, you know, the subject of green buildings came up and, you know, my concern is that the buildings were going to turn green. <laughs> You know, because of fungal contamination, uh, because of the way that they're built. You know, they're built so tight. Um, you know, some of the materials that are, you know, being utilized, I think, are less than desirable. You know, we have, as in the words of Mac Pierce, you know, what was wood construction materials versus regular wood. And, you know, you've heard Dieter refer, you know, going back to Europe, and they have these houses that are, you know, uh, castles, buildings, you know, that can be hundreds and hundreds and in certain situations thousands of years old and they're still there and they they're built with basic uh you know, building materials that uh you know that, that are you know found in the forest and, and found in quarries and this stuff lasts forever. And, you know, one of the things I remember when we were uh, interviewing Joe Stieberek, uh on the radio show is that, uh, you know, many, many years ago, they used to have, you know, the, uh, the building code of Hammurabi. And, you know, what would happen is if, you know, you were king or ruler of a country and you know, you'd bring together all these smart people that knew how to build stuff and, uh, you know, you'd want a castle built or a bridge built or a monument built and these people would build it. And uh, if they didn't build it right, if it collapsed, if it didn't perform, they would chop their head off and get those people out of the, uh, the gene pool, you know, and it seems that now we don't do that stuff uh, anymore. You know, we graduate people that can make some buildings that look beautiful, uh, you know, whether or not they'll hold up, that's an entirely different story. Whole another story. Let's get Dr. Wow on the line. Dieter, we were going to have you in for the second half today, but it uh, looks like we're going to have you in for the first half. Um, what are your thoughts on this subject? Well, uh, that's fine with me. I have absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. And I think Cliff made an excellent point, and that is the thing that always comes to mind when I think about modern building structures, other than the stuff that we did a thousand years ago or even longer. Yeah, the Romans knew how to do that. The foundation of the cathedral in Cologne was built 1,500 years ago, and it's still standing there. <laughs> Somewhat over-designed, but quite beautiful. <laughs> uh, 
but um, and, and and they were smart. Said, hey, Rihanna, it's a two by uh, a two by four good enough? Well, probably. Let's put in a four by four and heck with it. You know, they they were over designing and uh, they they went in the right direction. But no, the problems that I have is, do we know today how to build a energy efficient homes? Everybody wants that. And is it then fun to live in that enclosure or whatever the name is today <laughs> in that name. environment that we are creating? And Cliff said that already. You know, you've got to bring in fresh air. In my, in my house, leaks like, uh, 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 like a surf. And when I go to bed, I crack open the window, which is right next to my bed. And there's a little bit of fresh air coming in. There's no fan in there, no nothing. And I'm quite happy about that. Well, Dieter, you know, go ahead. you were in Germany for many years, and you still go back fairly regular. I think it's been a while since you've been there. Have you noticed a big change in the in the building practices since then? Yes. As a matter of fact, well, you know, uh, Danny and I, that was, I think that was the last time I was there. And we did look at new and old structures. And we found out that some of these guys over there, I guess they were architects, and their specs were, and they took care of problems that we had over here. For instance, you know, the EFAS, that exterior, yeah, uh, all holiday inns are built with that on the outside. Yeah. Insulated finish system, the drive Yeah, whatever it is, yes. Yep. And we have problems over here when a guy runs into it with a lawnmower and so on. In, well, we were in Germany, and I'm not saying that only the Germans know how to do that. I wasn't in France or in the Netherlands or anywhere else. But they took care of the problem. What did they do? They, either, uh, they had three or four courses of brick on the bottom, and then the ephors above started. So you couldn't run possibly into it with a lawnmower. Excellent idea. You couldn't build up the, uh, what do you call it, not compost, the... And there were holes over in there with a, um, a wire mesh behind it you know, to keep the critters out. But it could drain and there was uneven ventilation. And that is one of the problems we have with the EFIS here in this country. Yes, Hey, by the way, and, I, I, uh, I know it, and I, I, Joe and I, we were down south, and we looked at it and I said, boy, look at this. This isn't right, you know. Well, it's, it so, it starts out. Uh, anyway, go ahead. It starts out sometimes above the ground level, but then landscapers and others will end up landscaping up above it. And by the way, I just want to let listeners know, Val just got off the phone with Sam Rashkin. He's calling in now. He had a meeting that ran over a little bit. Okay, no problem at all. And we look forward to having him on. And here. I will I will ask the same question again. And, yeah, Cliff asked it. I know you know. I mean, you are thinking about it. Yeah, what is the ideal wall? What is the ideal enclosure that we need to build in Pittsburgh and in Toronto and in Miami and anywhere else? The perfect but wall. But let's go to the other side. The perfect wall. I know Joe Steebrook has some good thoughts on the perfect wall, but they're, they're doing a lot that, of research yes. on it. You know, they're, they're not done with that. Uh, they don't have it quite completed. The other problem is how do you measure the performance of the perfect wall? And they're working on that as well. So, for instance, you get an R rating of a material 
but not the entire assembly. So we know the R rating of a uh, piece of drywall, of a um, piece of insulation, whether it's fiberglass, foam, whatever, and whatever thickness it is, um, we know the R value or, or a similar value for a window, but how does that entire wall perform? And I know they're, they're working on that right now. Uh, another interesting area is this whole passive house thing that's going on, and it's uh, started in Germany, I believe, dear. Um, now it's here in the U.S. pretty strong, and they're working on much more energy-efficient homes. In fact, net zero is the goal, and I know that's the goal on the Builders Challenge homes as well, that they... I don't think they necessarily have to have net zero to start with, but they have to have the ability to go to net zero. So they build in the ability to use uh, renewable energy resources like solar as a part of the construction process. And we'll, we look forward to talking to Sam a little bit more about that. Um, so, Cliff, before uh, we get Sam on the line here, should be any second, any other comments from you? Well, no, I think that uh, my uh, other comment and something that I'd like to talk to you about, and, and Dieter, is the whole politics of it. You know, the government, you know, gets involved with, you know, giving tax credits and, you know, kind of picking winners and, and losers. And, you know, it's similar to this Chevy Volt. You know, that Volt costs $90,000 plus. You know, for General Motors to build it, it sells for a whole lot less than that. You know, our these new ideas really viable you know are they really really smart and, you know, should the government get involved with this or should they just let capitalism and the free enterprise system uh, you know sort it out well that's always a, a good question let's let's uh we have some music for our guest Val. i believe we've got sam coming on here in just a moment sam what we're gonna get some intro there's nuclear, mechanical, and solar energy, and electrical, and chemical, Hi. and radiant energy. The line. All right. There's light, and there's magnetic, and you got your intro music playing. Because that makes nine different kinds of energy. All right. Welcome, Sam. Thanks for joining us on IAQ Radio. All right. Thank you so much. All right. We've got, you know, uh, are you going to be able to stay a little longer or are we going to have to cut it short? I just need to know so we can time. A little, maybe just a few minutes longer. I'm so sorry. I just some meetings happened today and I knew I was squeezed too tight. Uh, no problem, Sam. We'll get what we can here. Let's talk a little. We were kind of introducing some of the concepts, I guess. The, the question that I hear a lot about and what, what our, a lot of our listeners are interested in is how big of a part does indoor air quality play in the sustainable housing, green housing industry? Well, it's a great question, and people need to understand it plays an ever, ever increasing role. Indoor air quality's importance keeps jumping because homes keep getting better insulated and more airtight, and that means a few things. One, it means they can't dry. There's no thermal flow going through the wall assemblies like they did in older, much less efficient homes, which means if walls get wet, they are more likely to create moisture problems and indoor air quality problems. The second problem, of course, is if the homes are much tighter, it means there's much less natural air infiltration and that you have a greater imperative to have whole house ventilation and spot ventilation that dilutes any pollutants inside our homes. And also a greater imperative to use materials that have less pollutants in them to begin with. And then a third point is that 
the homes are much tighter and better insulated, and they have a lot more fans and a lot more powerful fans. We have central vacuums. We have downdrafts that have much greater number of CFM exhaust potential. Uh, we have uh, much um, more fans in bathrooms, and we have clothes dryers that are 150 to 250 CFM. So we have all these fans operating in very tight homes, so we have greater potential to create negative pressures that can, with gravity-drafted combustion equipment, increase the risk of backdrafting and possibly even flame rollout. So air quality, combustion safety, all these factors are so much greater in, in more sustainable homes. With your the two programs we wanted to talk about are Build America and the Builder's Challenge, and maybe if you could just give us a little setup on what those programs are, what the key points are in your mind, and then maybe we could talk about how you built the indoor air quality component into, or how DOE and you are building that indoor air quality component into those programs. Uh, Sure, Joe. First of all, Building America is the nation's hub of innovation for high-performance new and existing homes. Keep it real simple. So basically... If you look at the housing industry, you have 100,000 builders in the old days, maybe 80,000 today builders, and you have 80,000 contractors who improve homes and trade contractors. You have an amazing number of players who all are very underfunded for extra investments in innovation and don't have the skill sets for doing research and development of innovations. So you're left really with an industry that has no center when it comes to where the new uh, technology solutions going to come from. So Building America fills this incredible void by being this nation's hub of innovation for high-performance homes. And just to show you how important it is, look at the entire corporate America investment as a percent of revenue in innovations and research and development. It's close to 4%, and you look at the housing industry, and it's 0.4% if you include the manufacturers and their investments, but I'd submit that those a lot of their research is very proprietary for products that are specific to their agenda. The investment is infinitesimally small compared to what it needs to be, and so Building America is this amazing gap-filling hub of innovation. Now, Challenge Home, which is uh, the new name for Builder Challenge, uh, just launched last fall, uh, Challenge Home basically says, let's take these proven innovations from Building America, let's recognize leading builders in the country who apply these proven innovations recommended by the nation's most foremost experts in doing homes that are uh, affordable, comfortable, durable, and healthy. And essentially, Challenge Home is a comprehensive set of recommendations for homes that are so efficient, a small renewable energy system could offset most or all the energy used. So it's effectively a zero, or it's a zero net energy ready home. And so that's how the two programs kind of fit together. One program is generating the innovations. The other is recognizing the builders around the country who apply them. And I noticed when I was reviewing the website, you used the, is it the ResNet program for evaluating the energy efficiency of the, the challenge home? The ResNet HERS rating process is a small part of it. Okay. Uh, it's there to make sure, like on an ante basis, that the builders coming in are anting up at least a, um, uh, the, the required base level of performance, and it's very important for that purpose. And there's no fixed score, but it, it, there's a general way that the HERS rating is done that makes sure that a, a fairly high level of performance is on the table, so to speak, at the beginning. But the driving force behind most of the innovations in the Challenge Home label, much like with the Energy Star for Homes label, comes from the 
other checklist requirements, other detailed checklists and other requirements that you have to do to achieve the challenge home. And that's what ensures complete indoor air quality, complete building science, uh, solar readiness, a uh, whole bunch of other concerns with energy efficient components. That doesn't come from the HERS rating. <clears throat> but the rating is a great way to start you off and make sure you're at the base level, and then we build from there. I see. And can you, can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on how the indoor air program or the indoor air quality concerns and issues are built into these programs? Well, with Challenge Home, it's built in by requiring you have to do effectively the indoor air plus requirements. In other words, there's a great solution off the shelf for us to ensure indoor air quality. EPA has a label just for indoor air quality called indoor air plus. And so we virtually encumber that program within Challenge Home and make it a prerequisite effectively. Now, there might be one or two key exemptions from that program, but mostly builders will be doing indoor air plus to achieve the DOE Challenge Home. And that means that you have a complete system for minimizing uh, pollutant sources, for diluting pollutant sources, both whole house and spot, and it includes the garage, the kitchen, and bathrooms. And also you have a effective filtration system that will dilute the particulates. And will there be any, you know, once the home's built, what kind of follow-up do we have on these two issues? The, I guess the energy efficiency, and is there any on the indoor air quality? This is where the HERS rating process is most critical. Not so much in terms of the HERS score, which is which is a, a, a important component, but where, where it's really a vital component to the challenge home is that the HERS raters are a third-party verification, uh, ensuring all the program requirements are being met. And with a program like Challenge Home, that's really significant. You have the four checklists from Energy Star. You have three or four other checklists from uh, the Challenge Home. And you have a lot of verification going on with the HERS Raider who's um, working just like they do with Energy Star. They're doing two um, visits in the field to inspect, test uh, the homes, and they do the front-end plan analysis to make sure, again, that baseline HERS score meets requirements. So uh, you know, a lot of the quality assurance comes from that HERS verification. As far as Build America goes, Sam, what what would you say is one of the, the biggest innovations that's impacted the, the sustainability of our housing? What's one of the biggest innovations affecting the, the, the sustainability came, of housing in a, in a positive way? Yeah, or in, in a positive way that came out of the Build America program. Oh, I, so many have come out that have affected, you know, I, I, I compiled a list of 32 innovations from Building America we call top innovations that have been transformative, I think, in, in how our nation's homes, new and existing, are being uh, transformed to high performance. And so the, I, we have a list of 32 major innovations, and examples are ones that are technical, that uh, developed high R wall systems, that developed um, uh, duct systems that are much more efficient or uh, um, inside the condition space or, or much more compact for efficient delivery. We've developed advanced framing systems. Uh, we've, advanced, we've developed solutions around much more efficient hot water heating, which becomes a more significant part of the load. But even more significantly maybe are the business solutions that have been innovated at the Building America program, demonstrating that high-performance homes don't need to cost more than 
uh, conventional homes that uh, reduce callbacks, demonstrating that there's um, a better reduction of peak loads, which engages utilities who want to be uh, uh, active supporting high-performance homes. And there have been innovations across a whole array of demonstrations proving the whole house packages work. And then there have been innovations around tremendous guidance so that we know how to apply all these innovations effectively and consistently and get the outcomes that we expect. And so those are important. And then there have been innovations that have changed the whole set of building codes so that these innovations can move into the marketplace still. All the new climate maps are based on building America-generated climate maps that are based on much, much more functional climate zones than they used to exist. Hmm. Uh, uh, attic um, unvented attics and vented crawl space duct code changes come from a lot of Building America efforts to inform that process and enable those to go through. A thermal bypass checklist in the 2009 IECC is really part of uh, Energy Star adopting the innovations from Building America and proving they should be in the code. So, you know, there's just so many. I, I'd be hard pressed to just say one has been the most significant one. And I would encourage anyone to go to the Building America website. And they're right at the very first page. You'll see a box on top innovations, and to peruse virtually this legacy of, of, of contributions to to American housing. I think we'll do that when you leave here, and we'll just go ahead and continue the conversation. We do appreciate you coming. Do you have time for one more question? Sure, one more question, and I have to break. Sure. All right, um, Cliff, do you want one? Or you want me to take it? No, actually, Sam. Uh, you know, number one, thank you for coming. But uh, coming in. Uh, I, I guess my concern is that uh, it's really the repair costs of these houses and the vulnerability of them to natural perils such as you know indoor water damage, uh, fire. Uh, number one, are they more vulnerable? Number two, do they cost more and are they more difficult to repair in the event of a problem? And I guess the third part of it is um, have insurance companies taken notice of this type of building, and what do they think about it in terms of insuring these properties? In terms of retrofits, I guess retrofits uh, you know, in the event in, in the event of a problem. Right. Well, I have to break, but let me just okay. I have a sneeze coming. Oh, <laughs> okay, there it goes. Sorry, I have to break, but let me say this. Um, these high-performance homes, whether they're new or existing, are doing everything in the right direction in terms of reducing risk and reducing problems. Now, when we get to uh, using equipment that's power-vented equipment that cannot, uh, cannot uh, be impacted by, in, by indoor air pressures that get their air for combustion from outside and then directly to outside their combustion gases. When we isolate the combustion process from the indoor space, that's a tremendous safety advantage. We have these homes uh, when they meet the indoor air plus requirements and energy star requirements, they have the CO alarms that create extra safety inside the homes. They also have uh, much, much less potential, virtually no potential for wetting inside the construction assembly, so a much less risk of mold and moisture damage. They're fully comprehensively detailed for, for that kind of protection. So we, I can go every step of the way and suggest that it's just the opposite, that these homes are addressing the myriad of problems that are confronting existing housing today that have not been built to these performance standards. 
and that there's so much opportunity to take our existing housing stock, like 98-plus percent of it, that needs to be improved to meet these requirements and to build new construction this way, we, we just remove so much risk. So I'm, I'm sure the answer is a little bit compressed. We can go on in this, but maybe I can, uh, if you'll have me again some other time, we can kind of delve more into this. We'd love to, Sam, and I want to talk about your book, Retooling the U.S. Housing Industry, How It Got Here, Why It's Broken, and How to Fix It. Uh, but I'd I love to have that conversation because uh, I'll leave you in this one point, is that if we do everything right with high-performance homes and we get uh, builders to adopt all these innovations to make homes uh, perform better, and they don't address other core principles of homes, the development, the design, the construction quality and construction practices, and the sales practices, then they still won't experience the business outcome that will help them be long-term subscribers to this kind of high-performance construction. So with retooling the U.S. housing housing industry, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to say that there's a blueprint really for looking beyond just our interest in air quality or energy to realizing that builders need to address five key components of the industry to be successful. And so I'd love to have that conversation with you. Maybe we'll set up another day. And I, I thank you just for having me on the show and be so patient with this crazy schedule today. Now, thank you, Sam, for squeezing us in. And we will definitely get you back when you've got uh, a little more time on the schedule. But thanks again for joining us on IAQ Radio. It was a pleasure, Joe. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, everybody, let's, we're gonna, uh, we've got to stop and thank our sponsors, but we're going to come back with the Z-Man and, and Dr. Wow, and, and we're going to go to that uh, website and uh, look at some of those top innovations because I know uh, Cliff and I both have some comments on them, and I'm sure Dr. Wow will. So hang in there with us for about uh, a minute here. We're going to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Thanks to our association sponsors, the Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at 
Clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, we're back, and let's get the Z-Man and Dr. Wow on the line here. And I, in the meantime, have pulled up some of those innovations that Sam talked about earlier. Cliff, any comments? Um, I don't know, Joe. I, I think that Sam, you know, I appreciate everything that he's doing, and I, you know, it just, you know, seems to me that, um, I don't know, it, it just seems too good to be true. I'm, I'm sorry, I just think that, um, you know, you can't solve all the problems, you know, without creating new ones, and it, and it seems to me that they have to be creating, uh, you know, some new problems that they're not sure of at, at this point. I'm sure we'll have some uh, some setbacks, but uh, you know we we can't innovate unless we research and we uh, do the research. And uh, from what he said, I mean, geez, um, one tenth of the money's being spent on uh, research and innovation on these areas. And I, I I wanted to ask him about when he talked about the manufacturers are doing innovations as well in research, but those are typically more toward you know one segment and not to the house as a system and i think that's where uh, his program and others are, are you know starting to uh, help the building industry by looking at the house as a system and how each of these individual components can affect others Dieter, any comments oh, well yes uh, plenty of them and uh, i have the same uh, thoughts and questions which cliff has um I can button up a house very, very easily, and I make it incredibly uh, energy efficient. I can build a house instead of two by fours, I take two by sixes on all the walls, north, east, south, and west, and on, uh, in, 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 uh, in the attic. And I spray in there uh, six inches of polyurethane foam, closed cell polyurethane foam. I have an R value that you will not believe. You can heat that house with a candle. But now comes the question, can I live in it? And the question is no, or the answer is no. And uh, Joe knows that and Cliff knows that. When I was years back at the University of Pittsburgh, I designed industrial ventilation systems. And one of the basic rules when you're doing ventilation to control um, a grinder or a mixing uh, uh, bin or a, a hood or something like that, I can take the air and I can design that very, very nicely and efficiently. I can take the air out. And now I told my clients, guys, I'm exhausting 10,000 CFM over here. That means we have to bring in 10,000. It doesn't go any other way. It has to. Now, there are two ways of doing it. The dumb way, they said, oh, we crack open a window and a door over here and wherever it comes through the nooks and crannies, uh, that is one way of doing it. That's the wrong way of doing it. You have to bring it um, in intelligently, and that would be the same thing for a house. Sam mentioned that. we got to bring, yeah, if we are exhausting uh, the flu from our furnaces, well, air conditioning is on the outside. That's electric, no big deal. But if we have gas, that stuff got to go out. There are some guidelines 
to have ventilation in the kitchen, to have ventilation in the bathroom. Makes a lot of sense to me. But once you're taking out that air, you've got to bring it in, and you've got to bring it in intelligently. Now, there are two ways that I can think of. I could redesign it, look at the house, and I said, maybe I have to bring in, and now it has to be filtered. Hopefully, the air outside is not what it was 60 years ago in Pittsburgh when it was the smoke city. And now, to get a nice filter in there is no problem at all. Uh, We have those today, and they are relatively inexpensive. Uh, So that is what you have to do. Where do you bring it in? One of the places where you can bring it in is into the return air of your your heating ventilation system, uh, the forced air system. Now, if you don't have that, well, we have to look at other ways. And that is what Sam said. You've got to, yeah, not every house is the same. If I had to retrofit my house, which would cost a lot of money and a lot of dirt and a lot of torn out <laughs> four by eight uh, drywalls, we could do that. But that is where I say the challenge is, and Sam touched on, touched on that. We have some new technology over here, but we got to be uh, careful yeah, just buttoning it up. Like I said, I can spray foam insulate my whole house, and I mean it would be buttoned up. Believe me. <laughs> I mean, that's, I but, think you bring up a good point, Dieter. But at the same time, you're also saying that if we bring that air in intelligently and filter it, I mean, isn't that better? Oh, absolutely. Okay. That's the way to do it. Okay. In fact, a friend of mine is redoing. A, um, a game room which is below grade uh, it, it was the basement yeah you know how that works absolutely and he said Peter and he has a pool table in there and he wants to put in a big television that we can watch the theater games and I said Peter I have a problem over here and I went over there and I said his name is Brian I said Brian look at this you don't bring any ventilation in here and I said well there is a um, uh, uh, a uh, air supply over here, which is basically the heater. And I said, look where it goes. It doesn't go anywhere. So we did a bunch of things. We brought in more insulation. We insulated a couple of things, not a lot, but we brought in more ventilation. We put in, because he happened to have it, we put in a dehumidifier, which is working 24 hours a day. And the cost of that, running that one, doesn't bother him. And it isn't really all that expensive. But, and I told him, I said, you will not see a, a, a significant improvement after one day because, you know, all the stuff down there was moist, there was some mold growing, you could smell it, there was that musty odor. And after about a month, I said, boy, Jeff, that really works. And I said, yes, of course. It does work, and that is how we have to do that. I remember, and Joe and I, we were at exhibits of the Indoor Air Quality Association meetings, and I think we're going to talk about that one. There were people, they were thinking about this, and I said, look, we have ventilation systems that can be added, and then we do it in a better way, 
in an intelligent way, and it will work. And I have no problem with it. Okay. Does that cost a little bit more? Yes. When I bought my house for a whopping whatever it was, $70,000 35 years ago, I gladly would have paid $1,000 more for a better garage door because that one was falling apart and it, was, it didn't work well and it leaked and it was terrible. So I bought a new one. So it could have been and should have been done up front, not after I was in there. And I don't know what the life expectancy of that door was, but it wasn't. I painted the damn thing like three times. <laughs> well, I think I think that's his whole point, you know, is to get this stuff in there in the first place, if at all possible. And then when we do renovations, to do them intelligently. I, yes. I, I'm, I'm on that page he mentioned here with the tips, okay, the top innovations. Uh, and I what it is is, like you said, you go to the Building America homepage, um, which if you Google just Building America and the Building Technologies Office, um, I'm on the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy page of the Building Technologies Office. And right in the top, it says Innovations there, uh, right in the first part of the first paragraph. You click on there, takes you to these innovations. And they, they, they're pretty, you know, look like pretty um, difficult to argue with innovations. So, for instance, the first one is Advanced Technologies and Practices, and under that, They've got building science solutions. You click on there, they go over the uh, basement insulation systems. So, you know, we're insulating basements now instead of uh, just putting, uh, you know, some block in the ground and, and, and throwing it down. They're putting a little insulation on there, which is an area where people lose a lot of heat. Uh, they've got the advanced framing systems. And now, Dieter, they're not just two by six. We've got these double wall systems, even where you've got double two by six walls and you know, Nothing wrong uh, with this. So when I bought my house some 35 years ago, when it was four or five years old, nobody cared about uh, the cost of electricity or gas. That's At right. the time, I heated my house on average for something like $25 a month on average over the whole year. Right, right. So now, now I paid got... for a whole year. I pay now for one month. That's right. Now and the same thing with electricity slash air conditioning. And that's just I don't use a lot up. of electricity over here other than for my computer and, uh, and, and a light here or there. Yeah. That's going to just keep going up, though. And then we've got the unvented conditioned attics. So we've got attics, which right. um, we don't really condition generally. And now they've got techniques for doing that. It adds space to your interior. And uh, learning. it also, if you put an HVAC system up in there, now your your air handling unit is in your house and your ductwork is in your house, which is nice. The yeah. same uh, the same thing with the conditioned crawl spaces they've got here. And then, of course, they've got high R walls. So you can go down the list, folks, and, and really look at all of these innovations that have come along over the last, and a lot of these are the last 15 years or even 10 years in some cases. I would say 10 years, Joe, because, yeah, did I care uh, 35 years ago? Did I care about insulation? Or I didn't even know what an R value was because I didn't care about it. That's right. In fact, right. at the time, I didn't care. Well, that is a little bit longer ago, 45 years ago. I didn't care about the gas mileage my car had. I, I drove a Porsche, which I don't actually it was pretty good. But at the time, gasoline was 40 cents a gallon. I didn't care about, you know, 
right or wrong, but it was not it was not a problem. Well, that's all changing now. Cliff? Uh, it, yeah, yes, and it will be changing apparently even more. That's right. <laughs> it won't get any better, that's for sure. Although we may well, Somebody see said the... that we are drilling, particularly in the Pittsburgh and Ohio area, now for gas, the fracking and all of that. And it's that the price of gas is coming down. The only problem is, whatever I save a little bit more, the, the, the company charges me more for it. I don't see it coming Which down. doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. It may but, level off, but they're not going to let it come down. I don't see it. I just that, don't see that's it. exactly right. They're you know, I, 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 I agree with you there, yes. Cliff, any comments on the whole situation here? No, I think that, you know, it goes back really to uh, something called Occam's razor. You know, I think that the simplest solution really to the problem is, is really the best solution. I think, you know, with the framing, I think it's a pretty simple and elegant, you know, solution. Needs bigger wood, there's more insulation, and I don't know that anyone's really going to argue with that. It's right. just some of the other newer materials that, that kind of concern me a little bit, you know, and, and Dieter will remember back to when they first started foaming insulation, you know, you have all the science that looks really good and uh, makes a lot of sense and it's going to save energy. And, you know, then we end up having, uh, you know, a, a formaldehyde uh, situation, you know, inside of the homes. I think that, you know, maybe we should just slow down a little bit and just, yeah, just just take it a little bit easier. That's uh, just my only comment. All right. I I agree with you, Cliff, and I I gladly look at any innovation, at anything that may be you know, pointing me in the right direction. But I think there isn't a panacea that takes care of everything, of every house, in any place, anywhere in uh, in the world. You know. By the way, they have the EEBA builders guides on here too. That's the energy yeah, and environmental. Yeah, excellent. Yes, it's great stuff. And and, and he mentioned today too the um, the new um, uh, climate zone maps that are out, uh, and that all is an innovation and 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 the result of uh, a lot of the work that's been done by the the folks at the the DOE and the the Build America program. And I, I think we've got some really great innovations coming out here. Hey, be, before we uh, go, I just wanted to quickly mention to folks, I uh, hope anybody that's listening that will be at the IAQA conference next week, we'll be there uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. IAQ Training and IAQ Radio have a booth. Please stop by and say hello. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, then, Cliff, we'll be gone uh, to... Atlantic City in March. We got the what dampness mold uh, conference. What it's a dampnessmold.com mold with a U M O U L D. That will be in March, and uh, I'll pull up the formal name of it for folks in just a minute here. But Cliff, I just wanted to see what kind of uh, comments you have on that one. No, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I. Uh I'm looking forward to it, particularly some of the, you know, solutions for dealing with, uh, you know, after Superstorm Sandy. I'm interested to to hear what everyone has to say. Yeah, the Sandy solution, huh? That sounds like an interesting topic there. Well, I'll be curious to see how close it is to the Pittsburgh Protocol, which we did a show on not long ago. Right, uh, right. The Pittsburgh Protocol was something that came out of your your uh, little group there, and then I've had people tell me that came out of Cleveland there, Cliff. I don't know. What do you think? 
<laughs> you know who told me that. Not to my knowledge. Uh, but, uh, I was told we copied that out of Cleveland, but I don't know. We'll see. I'll have to talk at to at least that. the Cuyahoga caught on fire in the, you know, the <laughs> non-halo. <laughs> By the way, that conference is Safe and Effective Flood and Mold Remediation After Superstorm Sandy and Other Natural Disasters. That'll be March 13th through 15th at the Seaview Hotel and Golf Club in uh, Galloway, New Jersey, right outside of Atlantic City. Got some great speakers uh, coming in for that program. And uh, Harriet Amon, who's been a guest of IQ Radio, Dr. Chin Yang. We've got Dr. Richard Shaughnessy on here, Terry Brennan, all have been on the show at one time or another, uh, Christy Andrea from the uh, New York City Department of Health, be interesting to see what they have to say, Dr. Gene Cox-Ganser, Ed Cross, uh, got a whole bunch of folks that have been on there, Phil Moray, I just noticed he's on there as well, so uh, should be a great show. And once again, if uh, you're out there at the Atlantic City Convention Center or close by to Atlantic City, I'm sorry, it's not Atlantic City Convention Center. It will be at the Galloway, New Jersey site. That's the Seaview Hotel and Golf Club. Please stop and see us. Cliff, I know you're interested in looking around at uh, innovations in the industry. Any, what in particular are you interested in? I think just, um, you know, it seemed to me that we should, uh, you know, these houses have been flooded uh, it happens on an annual basis, and every year FEMA changes the recommendations. You know, it's like I don't—I really don't see it as complicated as everyone else does. Uh, you know, I think that there's some pretty simple solutions for dealing with it, and um, you know, you don't need to make it more complicated than it is. I hear you. What kind of products are, I, I believe there's going to be some booths at this, some uh, distributors and, and so on. I mean, I, I know you come from the, you know, the uh, disinfectant and uh, product background, you know, Unsmoke and Microban being your babies back in the day. Uh, what kind of uh, new products are you interested in looking at? I'm looking, you know, I, I think I'd like to know what's new with, uh, you know, what's new with antimicrobials, you know, what's new with coatings, what's new with drawing equipment, um, you know, cleaning equipment, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I took a little hiatus and, uh, you know, say, you know, life passes you by and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you want to reconnect and you want to see what's going on. So, uh, I'm excited about going. Great, great. Well, folks, we hope you uh, stop and say hi to us out there. And then, of course, those of you at the IAQA conference next week, please stop and say hi. Dieter, any last comments before we go? No, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 100%. I keep my eyes open. I'm 100% uh, in favor of uh, innovations and good thoughts and uh, um, forward thinking on how we can do better with energy uh, conservation, let's say, or use, and uh, do it intelligently and do it in such a way that we don't hurt ourselves. And I think that is the main uh, uh, thing, yes. You know, I, I want to mention, Val, can you minimize the, the big board here for just a minute? I've got a document that I pulled off that website today that I want to mention to folks. I think it's... Uh, where the heck did I put that thing? Um, 
try this one right here, 2013. No, that's not it. But uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll post a link to it. It's a document on on um, air, you know, air movement and thermal uh, movement in homes. It's about a 75-page document that was developed uh, as a part of the Building America program. And I think it was a, a really interesting. Uh, I got to, you know, kind of go through it quickly and, and, and take a quick look at it. It was a really interesting document. And for those of you very interested in these building science issues, I'm going to post that after the show on the um, IAQ Radio website because I, I think you'll find that very interesting. And, and any of you who get a chance to go to either of these two websites from Building uh, Technologies Office, the Build America, and the uh, Builders Challenge, they've got a ton of great information on there. Please check through those, and we'll be bringing Sam Rashkin back in the near future to talk about them. Uh, before we go, I want to say thanks to our engineer, uh, Roxy V. Good job, Val. Sure, uh, thanks, Under Joe. tough circumstances today, <laughs> uh, running back and forth, making calls to our guests, and so yep. on. Uh, of fun course, stuff. thanks to the Z-Man. Uh, great job again. Um, it's fun, Joe. I like working with you in theater. Look forward no. to talking again next week. I will be in um, in Florida, so we may just have to bring a show from down there, Cliff. What do you think? Yeah, it could happen. No problem. I could call in and uh, do a little overview of what's happened over the weekend. Uh, there's a lot of new innovative uh, things going on. And by the way, one of the groups that was mentioned today is now joining IAQA at that conference. That's the uh, ResNet people, the residential energy folks, residential energy network. And they are the they have that HERS index that uh, – Sam was talking about, and I'll be uh, talking a lot about that over the next couple of weeks. I want to thank uh, the good doctor, Dr. Dietrich Wild. Dieter, thanks as always for joining us. And, uh, as you know that, Joe, I've been, what number show do we have? 275 today, Dieter. There you go. I, I cannot believe it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Let the good times roll, gentlemen. And, yep. uh, of course, I want to thank our growing group of loyal listeners. Thanks, everybody, for hanging in there with us today. I know we had a couple bumps in the road, but uh, it's always great to uh, have you folks joining us and see see the comments that come in across the line. And, again, I look forward to seeing some of you in person over the next couple of uh, weeks here at some of these conferences. This is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to today's guest as well, Sam Rashkin, the chief architect for the Department of Energy's uh, Building Technologies program. And to all of you out there, please come back and join us next Friday at noon for the next broadcast of IAQ Radio. IAQ Radio Production.